0: G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. A hump day, Sports by Fry pod coming at you with the great man j joining me once again. There's uh, not a lot of basketball stuff to cover at the moment, but Jake and I are going to start to preview, uh, or review I should say, the off-season decisions from a bunch of NBA teams. Today we looked at the Northwest Division, and then I think we'll unpack it at Division in the subsequent podcasts that'll follow. So there's a bit of basketball stuff there for the Hoop Heads. I am going to ramp up a bit of NFL coverage as well. Teams are back at training camp. NFL fantasy season is just around the corner. Didn't dive into that a ton today, but I did cover plenty of AFL fantasy stuff. The large fries and coke continue to just slowly move backwards in the rankings, which is not ideal, but with six trades to go, I'm finally looking at getting my last rookie off the field and making a couple of other tweaks. And I talk uh, a couple of trade tactics with JLo and what he's trying to do with the Quisplorken boys as well. A couple of other footy topics got covered. We talked about the Giants and their potential salary cap woes and which players we want to target, potentially as a rival club. Tim Taranto would be a nice addition if you don't mind. And, of course, we paid a bit of homage to David Mundy and Josh Kennedy too icons of West Australian football announcing their retirement this week so we're sad to see them go but yeah we talk about their fantastic decorated careers and round it out with a Mount Rushmore that I hate to say it but I think JLo got the better of me in. so Ripper Sports Be pod coming for you let's dive into today's episode. I don't know about you, mate, but I am freezing recording this uh, episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. It is Wednesday. It is hump day, so it's time to sit down and talk sports. But I'm going to be pretty chilly doing it. How are you going uh, up in the big smoke?
1: Mate, it's, uh, it's about the same up here. Uh, the things we do for the Sports by Fry listeners, the, the 50 or so of you out there, appreciate all the, uh, the five YouTube viewers. Actually, yep. that's probably three because we're probably two of them. But uh, if, you, if you ever want to look at this, us just talking on the internet instead of listening to us when you're being productive, throw away an hour and a half of your time. We're on YouTube in case people don't know. Yeah, there's uh, plenty of YouTube bits and pieces that are uh, in
0: the works, have been in the works for a while, but podcast does go up there. I mean, I've never been
1: a big Watch a podcast, but you you're all for it, eh? I'm a watcher. I'm a watcher. Uh, it it is a huge waste of time, but uh, I'll just have it on in the background. It's nice to to see a face sometimes. Mm. I I think anyway.
0: I can dig that. Hey, if you want to uh, waste your time effectively, make sure you do it with sports by a fry. That might be my new slogan. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, that's, that's exactly what we do. Yeah, waste basketball. time.
0: There is not a lot happening basketball wise. Uh, <clears throat> but we lost a legend. Bill Russell oh. uh, passed away a couple of days ago. Uh, yeah. I have uh, not a tainted. that's not the right word, but I when it, we originally made like top ten lists and talked about the best player, I would always rank Bill really high. Uh, and I think the eleven championship he won uh, you know gave a bit of sway to that. but uh, give me give me a couple of thoughts on. Bill Russell with 88 had a pretty good innings, Uh, not just a great on court success, but like a pretty important dude for American or black American rights and a civil activist. So yeah, loss for the uh, American community.
1: Yeah. That's definitely the big thing that pops to my mind when I think of, um, Bill Russell is, is what he did off the court. Um, there's there's that great photo of him, Muhammad Ali. And I think a young Abdul Jabbar, Mm. probably a Lou Alcindor at that point, maybe, um, And, yeah, I think um, his legacy is probably bigger than basketball and will live on forever. Um, But, you know, what he did on the court was pretty special, and I I would have loved to see him kicking in his prime in today's NBA just to see how dominant he might have been, particularly on the defensive end. So just an unreal unreal bloke. Yeah, great, dude. Uh, Shout out to Bill Russell. I listened to a pretty interesting podcast the
0: other day that had – I'm pretty sure his name's Bob Ryan, the old like Boston Globe reporter, like covered a lot of the Celtics teams, reckons that John Havlicek's one of the greatest players of all time. And he was talking about how, like, I think it was right after Draymond was saying it's dumb to compare errors. And he was like, no, you can compare errors, but like, just remember that Bill Russell, for example, he's like, would have been, the '60s version of LeBron, like it's all relative and it all changes. Hmm. But you're right; he he averaged 22 rebounds for his career averaged. So, and like I, they weren't really even tracking blocks, but a lot of people nah, reckon he would like have maybe the like last eight few years. Yeah, yeah. So he was a huge different difference maker, like you said, on and off the court. So shout out Bill Russell. I reckon uh because we're in the the quiet period of the NBA off season, I reckon for the next six weeks, we do a little bit of a run through the divisions because, you know, there are some teams that made some pretty big moves in regards to either chasing a chip or going into full rebuild mode. So I reckon we uh, focus on a specific division each week. And we kind of talk about the five teams in that division, whether they got worse, whether they got better, and just kind of hash a bit of their off season moves. So what better spot to start? Than with, uh, let's be honest, the sports buy fries team is the Denver Nuggets because uh, I am a Whoa. proud Cavaliers fan, but I think uh, I think it's fair to say I'm more of a Nugs fan than you're a Cavs fan. Agreed.
1: Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. I'll pay that. And you, look, it's because I was listening to a podcast today. The Denver Nuggets are just a fascinating bloody team. Like, yeah. are we listening to a podcast ones. or were you watching a podcast? <laughs> I was watching it actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the storylines this year for the Nuggets are fascinating. There's so many interesting. Like they had number five. Will MP. This is a breakout or make or break year for MPJ. That's the fifth most interesting storyline. Like that's probably true. Many, like yeah. Oh, it is, mate. But there's if that's your fifth, that's yeah. just crazy. So yeah, they're an interesting team. Um, yeah, not unlike a few of these, a uh, few of the other Northwest teams who I think we're about to talk about.
0: Yeah, so I reckon we dive into the Northwest. I was going to do it in reverse order or ladder order or, you know, order of record. But again, let's start with the Denver Nugs. So they went 48 and 34 last year. Obviously, the big story that was centered around the Nuggets, actually, there's probably two. Number one was their injuries and the fact that they lost Jamal and they lost Michael Porter Jr. Effectively both for the whole season, really. Uh, yep. And the second factor was Nikola Jokic backing up his MVP win. Because there's a lot of crew that, you know, when he won it the first year, from memory, it was like Embiid and LeBron were also like really top-tier contenders. And then he a lot of people saying yeah. he was like the last man standing. But he backed that up, it was better last year, even not necessarily from a per-game perspective. But you could just see he was continuing to ascend and... He's probably a top handful player in the league now, without a doubt. So how are you feeling about the Denver Nuggets and where they're sitting rolling into uh, season
1: 2022-23? I feel very good. And Jokic's per game stats were better last year. Went up in points, went up in rebounds. Like I think he was second in the league in rebounds. Like, let's not overlook that. Um, but yeah, I feel... Look, I'm cautiously optimistic injuries are scary um thank goodness and this will hurt Derek Rose thank goodness blown ACLs aren't what they used to be thank goodness for modern medicines um a lot of accounts are sort of saying that Michael Porter Jr's back injury is a lot of doctors I've heard who deal with that injury have sort of said that his injury is you know significant but it's the sort of thing that he'll probably be able to come back and play and have a good career. He'll just won't have a long career. Like he'll probably retire right. at 31-ish. Um, so, you know, he's got the prettiest, wetter, he's got the wettest jumper in the NBA. So it's not the putting first time you've with...
0: said that on this podcast. I reckon that's, hey, you know, we might need to start a tally.
1: It's bloody facts. That's what yeah, it is. Um, uh, respect to Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, but MPJ's jumper is wetter. Um oh, then Steph Curry. Maybe that's a big call. Yeah. But anyway. Um it's it's just uh anyway. So him out on a corner, Bones Highland coming off the bench. He's the man off the bench now. Very exciting. We've added some defense. And I, I really the thing I'm so excited to see is Jokic, Murray, Porter, and Gordon. Because we got those like I don't know, it must have only been like eight games when Gordon was shipped in and they looked like unstoppable world, world beaters basketball. Yeah. yeah world beaters playing beautiful basketball and then obviously the the knee injury to murray so i'm cautiously optimistic injuries are pretty scary but i'm excited to see how bones progresses you, did you see him the other day in the brunson league nah so the brunson <clears throat> league is one of the like more prestigious uh pro-am summer leagues like, Yeah, yeah like it's not the Dre league but it's it's been around for like 80 years or 50 years or something crazy. Yeah, right. So it's been, it's been there. He scored 62 in the Brunson league, got the win and he, everyone in the crowd. And I think he even said himself could have beaten the record, but the guy who held the record passed away in the last year or something like that. So he, out of respect, didn't break it. Like what a baller first of all, what a legend. And awesome second of game. all, like he was just giving cats buckets. He's added size. So I feel pretty good. I love our off-season signings. Um, even DeAndre Jordan, just a good veteran presence off the very, very end of the bench. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about the Nuggets. And I think we should be at the top of the West. Don't know how you feel. 21 bucks they're paying to win the chip right now, which was like the
0: eighth, seventh longest odds when I had a look because as I was doing prep for this, I was looking at their ins and outs and I was like, look, you lost Will Barton. They lost Monte Morris, like dudes that have been important pieces for the last, say three or four years. But I think that they definitely raised their floor and got better. with mm. like the role players and the pieces they put around the roster. Like DeAndre Jordan laugh as much as you want, but you know, he's a dude. He's, he's made a an old NBA team. He's a warm body. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and Bones Highland improving, I think, is another big one. I think, you know, if you've got him and Compazzo's probably not long for he's the gone. NBA. Oh, has he? Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he's um, not on the Nuggets. Oh, fair enough. Totally But I still think, yeah, with Bones, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown's a like weird, weird player. But I think that, like, you throw his weird in with Nikola Jokic's weird. It just gives them, like, lineups and, I guess, like, D- different um, what's the word different combinations that you can throw at other teams that not a lot of teams could probably combat and Jokic is a bit of a unicorn himself so you add another dude in there who's like you know, playing center for Brooklyn for a period of time as like a screen and roll type of dude I think the health of Jamal and Porter Jr. will really obviously dictate how far these dudes go that goes without saying but yeah, I think regardless of how healthy they are, and by all reports, like you said, seems like they're all going to have the green light, which is wicked for NUGS fans. But I think the pieces that they've got around the edges got better. So it makes me excited to see, you know, how far this team can go. Because like you said, you're right. I think post All-Star break when they had Porter, Jamal, Jokic, MPJ, and, um, oh sorry, Aaron Gordon. Uh, and who was the fifth bloke in that? Will Barner. On. And Will Barton. So you put KCP in that. It's yep. better defensively than you don't – not exactly lacking offense with Jamal Porter Jr. and Jokic. It would be very interesting to see what that five-man group can achieve.
1: They just essentially went into the offseason with a plan. It's build around Jokic. What do we lack? It's defense. So they added KCP is a great wing defender. And actually, it's mm. wing defense that they we really lacked and Bruce Brown's a like a ridiculously good defender, great cutter. True. So it's all pieces that fit around Jokic. I think um Zeke Nagy will probably actually start at the 5 off the bench. No, he won't start. He'll be the yeah, 5 off even. the bench. I think Deandre Jordan will literally not play much. But there's a shooter. There's a weird another weird skill set like he's a mm. 50 a 45% three-point shooter plays good rotation defense I'm really excited to see what the Nuggets do obviously it's all about the injuries and how those two stack up but I think we're in a good position like we've probably said for a few podcasts in a row and about the AFL as well it's quite level right now it's almost anyone's game there's no super super team no matter what you say about the Warriors or the Lakers it could be anyone's game so I'm excited to see if Jokic can get three straight MVPs to be honest That'd be pretty elite.
0: Yeah, you're right. Since the end of like the Cavs-Golden State rivalry, there's been no team yeah. that's gone in either conference that's repeated as a finals, uh, making a finals appearance. You know, you had the 2019 the Raptors Warriors. Nah, because oh, they no. played. No, oh, no. They played obviously Phoenix last, uh, the year before last. And then you got yeah, Golden right. State again and Boston. So there's a lot of teams around the mark, right? And you could probably have made the case for or Dallas were in the conference finals, like they might put a surge up. And uh, if, especially if Luka makes, takes another step forward. So I think you're right. It is kind of open and it's interesting to see who will contend. I think another big thing with the Nugs is that group, like, you know, Jamal, Jokic, you could say Will Barton before he got traded. They kept a lot of those dudes together. And I think regardless of, if we're talking AFL or NBA, there's something to say for the continuity and like building together with a big group of dudes. So I'm intrigued to see how far the Nuggets can go. It'll be interesting also to see if the uh, OKC Thunder keep their young core together. They obviously drafted Josh Giddy last year and this year had the number two pick and took who I think's maybe not the best player. That might not be the right word, but I think for what he can contribute on the court, Chet Holmgren will, He'll be a star. He won't average 30 points a game, but he might, you know, lead the league in rebounds and blocks in the same season. He's that type of rare talent. So adding a dude like him as a franchise cornerstone, for lack of a better word, they've got still, you know, picks up the wazoo, plenty of young talent to build around. They re-signed Lou Dort. They didn't really lose anything. A couple of, you know, scrappy free agents and other dudes who are on like one year deals. So what do you reckon? Okay, see. I don't know if this is the year that they kind of start to ascend. I still think they've got some lumps to go through, but they've got it feels like they've got most of the pieces. Shea Gildas Alexander, as well, near all star before he got shut down. So, where are you sitting with the Thunder?
1: Yeah, I well, look, they're gonna be one of the, if not the league pass team of the year. I yeah, think. okay, don't hate that. Just what Lou can do, um, oh, sorry, not Lou. Chet can do is gonna be super intriguing. Giddy is like a bit of a Jokic s kind of guy, and he's got this weird skill set, and he's herky jerky, and it he's something that the the NBA certainly hasn't seen, um, mm. or probably not since maybe the seventies. You know, like yeah. he's almost got that seventies kind of play style, like uh, uh, stop go, maybe even sixties. Um, Shay Gilgis is awesome. I think. They were probably better than their record sort of showed last year, but I, I was sure that they were going for the number one pick. So they yeah. shut down Shea. He wasn't injured. He was fine. Yeah. I like Lou Dort. Uh, I think they've still got um, Kenny Hustle, Kenrich Williams, who I really like. So they're going to be a fun little team. They still are missing a bit of like quality depth. I think like Derek Favors isn't getting it done. That Those... That you need those sort of hardened veterans at those backup or sort of fifth and fourth on fifth sh- spots. Yeah. Um, so I think they've got a long way to go there, but I do think this will be the year that they start to ascend. I think they'll probably stop tanking. I feel like if I was, who's there? Presty. Is he still there? Yep. Sam Presty. If I was Sam Presty, I'd be pretty happy to start getting the. The train rolling. You, you don't want Shea just to lose for too long. Or you just you miss out on the ceiling that you could have or he might leave. So I reckon they've probably had a big, long chat with him and said, look, give us two years. We know you're a star. We're going to get two more stars, which they've done. Good hit on Giddy. And now they're off. Um, so fun team to watch. They'll start to ascend. But they're still going to be a long way off the mark because of those backup spots, the depth. You're right. They
0: don't have... A lot of depth. I think Darius Baisley is another dude who comes to mind. Mm. Teo Maladon, Trey Mann. Uh, I o. like o. Trey man. Yeah, Trey Man. Like <clears throat> again, they've got a lot of the pieces, but yeah, I don't know how they all fit into the puzzle. And there's not a lot of veterans on that roster, with the exception of Derek Favors and a couple of other randoms. So yeah, there will be some big L's. I won't be surprised if I see that. Uh, not for nothing, they managed to poach. Uh, Chip England, the renowned shooting coach, whoever Shooter, thinks is yeah. the best shooting coach in the league from the Spurs. So that bodes well for Giddy, who, you know, doesn't have the prettiest jump shot, but yeah. he's an Aussie. Shea so doesn't to a work pretty hard. Jump shot. True. He's going to work hard and he's going to uh, get better at his fundamentals. So, yeah, I'm excited to watch this Thunder team. I don't know if I'll subscribe to as many league pass games because, again, I think they're going to be on the end of some blowouts, but there's lots of talent around to build for the future, which is exciting. I don't think uh, you could say the same for Portland. They've got some pieces, but I feel like they are destined as the next team, the next cab off the rank, to just middle it. They're right exactly where you and I say you don't want to be as an NBA team. They were 27 and 55 last year, but they didn't have Dame for a big chunk of the year. Obviously, they traded CJ McCollum as well. Anthony Simons had a bit of a coming out party, but they only really added Gary Payton II and Jeremy Grant in the offseason. Didn't really lose anything of note, so that's a plus. But I don't know if those two ins with the re-signing of Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic, I don't know if that like team is good enough to you know bounce out of the play-in or really you could even still miss the play-in. Like we just said, the Thunder are going to get a bit better. You think of a lot of the teams below them. Utah and San Antonio seem like they're going to embrace the tank, but the Timberwolves will be a bit better. The Clippers are in the play-in last year. They're going to be better. So I don't know if I'm in or out on the Blazers. Their rookie that they drafted, Shade on Sharp, looks like an intriguing watch as well. But are you high or low or just middling on the uh, Portland prospects next season? Look,
1: I'm, I'm looking through their roster right now. I don't hate it. I'm just thinking, you know, you've got Amp Simons, Lillard's good. I do like the signing of Jeremy Grant. I think Gary Payton's a, elite at what he does and will only True. get better. What's he? Oh, shit, he's 29. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, again. I, I wonder what's going to happen with Joe Ingles' knee. That's he's a bit intriguing. The since, uh, ah. since their last game. Okay. Well, yep. never mind then. Josh Hart's um, anyway, another one on
0: their team that's interesting as well.
1: Yeah. Is Chris Dunn still there? I'll be honest. I, I, no I'm looking either. at the roster. I'm like, where did he even come from? I really like Chris Dunn, though. Um, look, there's not quite enough there for me to get really excited. I'm I'm a, I'm a Yusuf Nurkic hater. Like, I understand he's he's okay, but he's a, one of the leakiest. Him and Kat are two of the worst defensive big men in the league. So that's a huge problem straight out the gate. Um, yep, you've talked me out of it. I was high a second ago, but now, no, nah, I'm off him. Bugger For well,
0: what it's worth, I think it Chris Dunn is still on the Blazers, but he may also have been on the Blazers and is now a free agent just sitting in limbo without a deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. there's pieces there to like, and I think the biggest factor that will obviously contribute to what Portland does is not just Dame, because we know he's probably going to pencil in 27 points a night, but what's Anthony Simon's going to do next to Dame? Because when he popped off last year and was averaging like 20, 20, plus points, Lillard wasn't playing with him. So can he be that sidekick like CJ McCollum had to adapt and learn how to do if those two can, you know, combine for let's say 45 a night and you get a bit of a punch from Jeremy Grant as well. Josh Hart, Yusuf Nurkic, they could, finish eighth or ninth and then battle for a playoff spot if they win a couple of playing games. But the more I look at their roster, I've just, I can't get excited by a lot of it. There doesn't seem like there's a lot of upside. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're hinging no, on a I lot of things agree. going right.
1: I definitely agree. One thing that might make it more exciting is a cheeky double on Dame Lillard for scoring title. Cause Ooh. that's definitely on the, on the table. That's definitely that's on true. the cards, mate. Might have to so worry. maybe just to uh, have a think about that. I don't know. I reckon before the season
0: starts, we'll do a bit of a, uh, a long shot, or not even a long shot, but like a betting preview. Be like, yep, I'm putting put my name to this bloke for scoring title,
1: this, this, and this, and see if it pays off. Because
0: more often than not, we tend to hit on some of these things. So,
1: Just quietly on the, uh, this is a circle back to the Nuggets, uh, Bones Highland double. Bones Highland double for most improved. And if he gets most improved, there's a chance he wins six, man. So, oh, yeah, okay. Just think about that. Double it for up. A second, chuck on
0: a multi. For a second, I've done the uh, AFL thing. I was like, is he still eligible for the Rising Star Award? Did he like, yeah. not play enough games? Yeah, right. Uh, all right. There's no easy way to transition into the garbage uh, fire that is the Utah Jazz. Went to 49 and 33 last year. Uh, won 50 plus games the year before that obviously they've had Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert as their two pillars to build around but one of them's gone to a team that we'll talk about next and one of them might be going any day now so mm. i don't know where i sit with the Utah Jazz i think i don't hate the idea of getting all those picks and flicking out Rudy Gobert but i think with the you know if they tank let's say this year and they want to get Victor Wembenyama and, and there's a couple of other prized assets at the top of the um, totem pole, the draft order, whatever. I think they could probably still sell off a couple of these blokes. Like I talked about on last week's pod, you Mike Conley's, your Patrick Beverley's, Jordan Clarkson, even someone would happily pay up for him. I feel like they want to, instead of getting more picks now, is try and just find a couple of dudes who haven't had a clean run at it. Chris Dunn isn't a great example because he's been hurt and hasn't really caught fire, but like a Colin Sexton, for example, like if they had him, this season i don't think he would win a shitload of games and force them out of the number one uh you know the bottom of the standings but you know he could be a dude that if you get another high scoring wing or a two-way wing he could be the uh robin to the batman or he could be you know your third best player and a scoring dude so what not necessarily how do you feel about the jazz because i think both of us think they're gonna be shit but what do you reckon they should do from here should they just fire sale and get anything possible for blokes? Or should they try and keep a couple of pieces around and continue to build somewhat with the roster they got?
1: Look, I think it. they probably, so they've got, is it mostly Minnesota's picks that they got?
0: Yeah. I think they got one player who was drafted in the most recent draft, but then it's all
1: future Minnesota picks. So you probably would want some other teams picks. Hmm. I would think. So finding a way to manuf- manufacture that don't know how to do that. Um Boyan Bogdanov- Bogdanovich might be an option to, you Another could probably yep. pick up a, like a late or a middle first rounder because yeah, I don't think those Minnesota picks will do it. Although if they do bad enough, then obviously they're in business. I I'm looking and seeing that they, they obviously got Beasley and Vanderbilt in that trade, which I don't mind. I think they're too, I don't, like Malik Beasley as a person, or a, he's a right player. Um, seems like a prick, but yeah. Vanderbilt, I really like. There's a guy who's never really got a clean run of it. He was a All-American, and he just I think he'd done his knee coming up to the draft. So I think he's actually a really good player. He looked okay next to Cat last year, so I don't mind that. It, did they get um, Alexander Walker as well? Am I seeing? They signed or traded for him last year, but. I think there's a, good, get... there's a guy who's never had a clean run at it. I would say he's a bucket. True. So yeah, I think I would go down a similar route to, to what you're saying though. Maybe try and pick up a few other teams picks who might go bust, but also you do need to, you need somebody playing for you. You need to, and have a, some sort of contingency for when a web and Yama comes in or whoever else is in that draft class. You don't want them to come in with a bunch of like, Young, snooty, out for themselves players, you need some yep. guidance. So, Mike Conley, if he's still there, it might be a good option. But uh, other than that, you're kind of like, well, there's no one. Rudy Gay, maybe. Is he still there? <laughs> yeah,
0: I think he's yeah, on maybe. like the last, last legs of his NBA career, though, to be honest. Uh, Alexander Walker was involved in that uh, monumental Portland trade that saw CJ go to Portland and then Utah got involved and flicked a couple of pieces around. So, you're right. Right. Him, Vanderbilt, those type of dudes, I reckon, is what they should be throwing darts mm. at. Cause all you need you don't need one of them to become Kevin Durant. You just need like a couple of them to like <laughs> I don't know why this is the first plate that sprung to mind, but one of them could just become like a Derek Fisher, just be like a mm. key contributor to winning because they don't have the cornerstone to build around yet. And you could flick a couple of those Minnesota picks on draft night and maybe shuffle a few things around. I think the Donovan Mitchell landing spot will be interesting to watch. Like if he goes to the Knicks, do the Knicks sacrifice a lot of picks? Uh, do, I don't know, does a team like Charlotte throw their hat into the ring? That The picks could be intriguing if that thing blows up in a couple of years. So there are teams that you could price some picks away that would be intriguing. But, yeah, I don't think Utah is going to be very intriguing to watch either way this year, which is a shame because no they're bringing back the uh, purple... Jazz jerseys with the mountains on them. so yeah. Yeah, not exactly a great time to do that because I don't know which Utah player's jersey you'd want right now. Mm, No, no one. Uh, The Timberwolves now are the proud owner of Rudy Gobert, as uh, most Mm. basketball fans are aware. I've tossed and turned whether I like this move or not of them trading for Gobert, but you're right. You said it earlier that Cat is a bit of a sieve on defense. He's not known for being a stopper. And I think you and I are both just out on Cat in general. But again, he could be the third best player on that team if you put Ant Edwards at the top of the um, talent pool and he takes another massive step and becomes like an all-NBA guy. Rudy Gobert bears your defensive stopper who catches lobs and Carl Anthony Towns just gets his 20 and spots up behind the three-point line. It could work. They obviously... In that trade, sacrificed a bit of depth, like you said, they lost Vanderbilt, Beasley, Beverly, but they signed Kyle Anderson. They added a couple of other pieces around the fringes. So, do you reckon the Timberwolves did enough to push themselves into the top six out west, or are they probably going to be in the playing game again, battling for one of those final seeds?
1: I think they they could have put the, push themselves into the top four. Let's mm. like this could go really well like they've good. addressed a they've addressed a huge weakness, big man defense. Cats not a great rebounder, so they've got that rim protection. And that you're going to get a step forward from Ant Edwards, I think. D'Angelo Russell's still a good player, still a dangerous player. You've got oh, I don't know, was on there. Jordan McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I oh, actually I like Jaden McDaniels too. They've got some players who are Yeah, he is handy. Pretty solid. So you're, they might be a they might be tenth. It might go totally wrong, but what I would suspect is it gives them a lot of flexibility with sort of staggered rotations. So you can start Joe, uh, Rudy next to Cat, and then take Rudy off for five minutes and chuck him on with the second unit, and all of a sudden you've got a elite defensive second unit, which might have been where they went a bit wrong. They had a really good defense last year as well, so yeah, adding. That's right three-time defensive player of the year. Next to, like, Nas Reid, Torin Prince. Um, they have Pas- Pascal, 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 Eric Pascal. Yep. I think he Pascal came out the from trade. Memory. Yeah, like, they've got some really interesting players. So, I, I am weirdly high on them, even though I'm spewing they're in my division. Don't like Kat. Got a bit of a rivalry with Gobert, but um, they could... They could give a lot of teams a lot of problems. They might not might be a total bust, but it's either going to be it's a high risk high reward proposition, but you kind of got to do that in the NBA when you don't have a they don't have a bona fide superstar yet. Aunt Edwards might get there, but they've made a splash, so I think at first, I was turned off by how many picks
0: they gave up, but if you're successful, who gives a fuck? Like the future first rounders that could be in the 20s. Of course, you want to have, you know, as many dart throws to try and get that talent that can help you succeed and win a chip. But there's nothing wrong with them like, trading back in if they find a player they like who slides or there's plenty of ways around it. So I'm in a similar camp. I think I'm warming to them going, not all in, but making this splash for go there. No one's signing in Minnesota. So if you've got a quartet of Gobert, Cat, uh, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell to build around. There's definitely worse out there. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think they have done enough to kind of push themselves, maybe not into like championship contention yet, halfway through the season maybe. or a third of the way through the season. Maybe. Yeah, if it's working, who knows? But I think that they definitely got better with this trade, which as an NBA team, if you can get better while giving up four first-rounders, not a bad thing.
1: And you've got to remember we're not on the inside. And so mm. there's potentially Tim Conley coming in. He might have already thought this. He's a great GM, just quietly. Denver Nuggets boy. Um, he figured out, he got Jokic, so he's pretty bloody good, obviously. Yeah, But he might have come in and the rest of the organization might be sitting there thinking, looking and really believing that Ant Edwards is that guy. And let's be honest, like, There's even like the physical face comparisons to Jordan. Like he's come in the first two, two years. Is he, this his third year coming up? Yeah. I think it is. I think it is. It sounds right. Anyway, he's, he just come off like a 24 point per game scoring campaign. There's no reason he might not jump up to his jump shots come along. He might jump up to 2730. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, they've got their guy. They don't need to draft. They've got Cat next to him. They've got Delo next to him. They've got an oldish, but still around the mark go bear. They could contend for the next three, four years with Aunt Edwards just driving that improvement and McDaniels because he's sneaky, underrated. So I, I think, think they made the right move. Yeah. If you've got that dude to build around and those other like accompanying
0: stars, then really we're not talking you need to find someone to help you in the draft. We're just talking complimentary pieces at that point. And if they're contending, there's going to be plenty of blokes lining up to uh, jump ship and join Minnesota, which is a sentence I never thought I would say. So there you go.
1: Yeah. Tim Connolly, mate, he's found a MVP at pick 41. So you can find whatever you want, wherever in the draft, if you look hard enough, let's be honest. Yeah, true. Just got to have
0: the right right man calling the shots.
1: I reckon uh, next week we'll pivot and go to the Eastern
0: conference, but that's good. I like a, uh, like a little bit of a synopsis of what's happening in the off season so far. I was going to do a little bit of NFL stuff and start to talk a bit of NFL fantasy because all the franchises are back doing their training camp and NFL fantasy isn't at the forefront of my uh, sports passion, but it's something I definitely get around each year. So we might do a little uh, tidbit next week, but yep, we're still focusing on AFL fantasy because uh, there's three Bloody weeks oh. to go. And you've managed to outscore me once again, taking the season ledger to six for JLo and 13 for Frosty. But yeah, I'm over it. I don't love my team. Uh, Andy Brayshaw as my VC was nice, but I thought no, I'd hardly put a f- foot wrong last week. I obviously had to field another rookie when Cogs was out, but I was happy with my trades. Got in Tommy Stewart. I uh, had a lot of blokes play on the Friday and Saturday, so not too many on the Sunday. I uh, finished footy and checked my uh, rank and my score. And I posted 2224 and I'd slid like a thousand spots. So I was like, oh, oh, I wonder what happened. Go to the match center. And of course, Zachy Merritt's 172 staring me straight down the barrel. So not ideal. Uh, I'm glad there's only a couple of weeks to go, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. So how, uh, You've how are the, Qu- exactly, how are the Chris Quis- Borkham boys flying rolling into round
1: 21? Yeah, we're pretty good. I'm at that point where I'm like, who the fuck do I trade out? And I feel like that's a common conversation I've had with mm. quite a few uh, fantasy punters over this week. And uh, I must admit, I don't fucking know. So I feel that's a bloody good position to be in. Obviously, had the two top scorers from last week in Rodog and Merritt. So mm. you captained Merritt? No, I VC'd Brace. A VC, oh, break, yeah. So. Okay, you take that. You take it. Um. So yeah, I'm pretty happy. I uh, don't really know what to do. So I guess we're just gonna. Uh, hopefully we can come up with some good shit on this podcast, mate. Oh, we will very quickly. I think because
0: uh, my trade plans are not too eventful. I'm still fielding Jai Cully. I was last week. I was hoping that yeah, hoping he You're could fielding you know, Cully was fielding Cully. Yep. Oh, last week. You know, last doing week. This week. No, oh, but I can't because the blokes. Uh, well, yeah, given sure. Noah Anderson a little uh, to the chin. So he's out Atta of the yeah. line. What's his third pro game? Yeah. Fuck you, Noah Anderson. Who do you think you are? Bang. <laughs> I'm Jai Um So, yeah, I need to come up with a different solution. And I was looking at potentially playing Josh Carmichael if he comes into the 22. But I need to get the rookies off my field. So I had a bit of bank left over. And trading out my man Massimo D'Ambrosio it pains me to do it. But flicking him down to Joy Menzi, who was Essendon's uh, medi-sub. And I, I kind of rate mid-season pick. Okay. I then can go Joy Cully up to Zach Butters and have exactly zero in the back. He's about the best I can get to. But I think the reason I'm going to go for Butters is because the only other league I'm still in, the big Lock Perfect league... Uh, with quite a bit of prize money uh, up for grabs, bloke I'm playing this week also has butters. So I might like, forget him. That cancels it out. And then there's only a couple of other uniques that can uh, determine the result, if you get what I'm saying.
1: Very tactical. Very tactical, Frosty. I don't mind. He's been going all right. He's has been going, going all right.
0: And he's cheap yeah. as fuck, obviously, because he burnt me earlier in the year. But
1: yeah, hey, what yeah you we're be? all on that. We're all on that boat, mate. You're not wrong. On that
0: Zach Butters point, before uh, we get into your trade manoeuvres, how many blokes have you got in your fantasy side that started the year in your team that are still there? Because Butters, for me, will be one who I obviously ditched and then brought back in. But how many blokes have you had that you picked in round one that are still
1: in your side now? Uh, Let me just quickly count. That's Jaden Short, Jack Crisp, 2 Lockie Neal, three. Merritt, four. He's been out, but he came back in. Crips five. Uh, didn't have him. I can't. I didn't have him either. Baz Smith, six. Cog seven. Dunkley, eight. Taranto, nine. Romash, ten. It's a pretty good list. Pretty good list of characters. I uh, don't have
0: as many, but A. Brayshaw, Crisp, Sicily. A couple of bench blokes, I think, as well, floating around. Uh, Lockie Neal, McRae. Didn't start the season with Tim English, was thinking about it, but did not. And then I've got Dunkley, Cogs, and now obviously back in the side as Butters. So I think i got eight or so. But, yeah, I saw someone pose that question earlier, and I was like, oh, I wonder how many blokes I've still got kicking. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. No, I've, I've gone all right. A few went in and out, though, so I don't know if you can count that. But yeah, I'm going to count it. So We'll pay the
0: faith. Um, all right. Yeah. So let's let's talk through who you're flicking out, because I'll be honest, if I wasn't doing that Cully move, and I've had a bit of a tinker around if I decide to play Carmichael, I was in the same boat. I was like, ah, oh, there's a couple of dudes that I want to get rid of, like your Darce Cameron, Sean Darcy, maybe even someone like McRae who's been struggling in the last few weeks, Crispy as well. But, mm. yeah, I don't know. I don't love any of the moves. So where we, are the Chris Borken boys at?
1: Talk me through it. So the blokes who I think are who I'm worried about, I'm worried about Himmelberg. After last week, played a bit of started up forward and that hurt his score. I think he went back and then got tagged or something. So yeah, he could come good. Nick Dacos is still there. He's, I don't know what to do with him. And the other one is Tim Kelly. I kind of got stuck with him off the back of the four touch game, but he, he bounced back and had a 97. He's got the crows coming up who just give up a ton of tackles and a ton of points. You saw the, the boys last week do it and Cripps and Walshie. So part of me thinks I'll keep Tim around. So yep. what I've done at the moment, and this is a uh, very early stages and it's pending a, an inclusion, but I think I'm going to trade out Himmelberg and Dacos. I'm going to save a whole lot of money and go down to Aaron Hall. If he mm-hmm. plays, because let's be honest, he'll probably play and get a one twenty, and everyone will be like, why don't I have him? I did it. A- Two games ago, a couple I like, weeks ago, oh, yeah. I, if I'd, if I'd known he was playing, he would have come straight in. And the other bloke, I think I'm going to jump back on, back on. Oh, I'm pretty sure one. he's on your never again list, but I think it's the Dane Zorko. I think oh. he's, he's back enough. He's had two pretty decent scores. He's worth absolutely nothing. nothing. Hmm. And that's going to leave me with 309 K in the bank for next week. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Zorko so,
0: in his two games back has had 86 and 97. So.
1: Yeah. You know, he's, and he's, he's one of those guys who's historically an elite fantasy performer tends to finish years strong too. He finished last year, really strong and ended up with a huge, like a really high price. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking about going that way. Um, I just don't love, I could have gone to, I could go to Jack Sinclair. But I just don't love his run. Um, so that's probably the only other direction I would consider going is Hawley. Still bring Hawley in. I think I, I just love watching Aaron Hall play. Like when he's playing and he's healthy, God is a joy to watch. He just gets so many touches, so many kick ins, especially in North Melbourne. And, you know, I could go Sinclair. So they're probably the the two routes I'm going. Um don't think I could get up to Anyone who I'm happy enough from Kelly, but with 300k in the bank next week, I could go to pretty much anyone. So I think that's the way I'm going to go. I might get absolutely burned. Hibbleberg might have 120, and Dacos might do the same. He did. I think he had like 115 against Melbourne last year. Jesus. But uh, last um, last game. Of yeah, I but I think I think that's the route I'm. Well, that's the route I'm currently on. So it it's. Highly subject to change, but pretty happy with my midfield. Like, I'm just looking at last week's scores. Toot gave me 122. Jack Steele, I'm not touching, gave me a 107. Lockie Neal, 100, but I wouldn't move him. Braish, 137. Merritt, 172. Mm -hmm. Cripps, 139. Mitchell, 115. And then, obviously, Kelly's the odd man out, but he gave me a 97. So... I think that's the route I'm going to go. Probably depends if Cogs plays as well. Um, True. Yeah. That's probably the other the other factor. Or if there's some other random exclusion. Yeah. I like it. I
0: think all signs point to Cogs playing. All signs point to Hawley playing. And I think you're right in giving Himmelberg the flick. And I'd probably, of the three that you're talking about, especially because of Kelly's price, Like, do you have anything in the bank before
1: trades this week? Uh, I think I'd about 75-ish, 75 ish, yeah. 75, 80. Because Kelly's what six something, yeah. I after could, his yes, bloody low six getting years. had a football a couple of weeks ago, he's 615. So I could probably get to someone who's like just under those like elite, elite guys who you'd want to bring in in the Olivers, McCluggage, Mills, Laird. They're the mm. sort of the four that I don't have that I would potentially want. I could probably get to Walshie. I could probably get McRae, but yeah. it, I just don't love it. So I think you know, what I do love is the, makes uh,
0: the idea of having 300K so that next week you can go, righto, TK, you had your fun in uh, against Adelaide. Now I give you the chop and you can turn him into Cow Mills for his last two or Claytos or something like that. Don't hate that idea. Yeah. And fantasy is all about having a bit of fun. Got to roll the dice. Uh, I I was quick to throw Dane Zorko under the bus and say I'm never picking him again and I fucking hate the bloke. But I've softened <laughs> on my stance. He's actually, yeah. he's okay by my eyes. He's okay. He's uh, He's got another chance. So Because uh, I genuinely looked at getting him too, doing a bit of a uh, dual position shuffling. Mm. But I think Hawley plus Zorko plus 300k for Dacos and Himmelberg's pretty smooth maneuver. I think if um, team selection is not nice, then yeah, I would, if I was in your shoes, probably get rid of the Berg first. There's now that he's kind of gone forward and he's been tagged a bit, you know, it's a bit dicey and you could make the same argument for Dacos being a rookie, but you know, Collingwood are flying fucking high. So I think you have a bit more faith in him, but again, he is a rookie. So I don't know.
1: And also I really love um, Zorko and Hall's ownership. Hall's under 10, Zorko's under five. So if I want to make that little move up the, down the rankings, I'm currently ranked nine, eight. So I want to stay in the top 10. I want to push towards 8,000 by the end of the year. I know it's not a very lofty. You're probably going to catch me, mate, (laughs) at this rate. (laughs) Well, wouldn't that be something? Would that not be something, mate?
0: Well, I'm 5'7 at the moment. So I've still got a little bit of uh maneuvering, but for the, since the buyers really, it's just been like back couple of hundred spots every fucking week. But Hey, who doesn't love a bit of fantasy footy?
1: That's the way fantasy footy crumbles, mate.
0: Yeah. I think Cog comes back in this week and I'm able to get butters and that cancels it out in that matchup. That should be solid. Uh, speaking of Cox, there's uh, a lot going on at the GWS giants at the moment. Spike McVeigh. Doesn't look like he's going to get the head coaching gig. He might. Clarko's uh, sniffing around, but there's a lot being made about their salary cap issues and blokes who are up for grabs fire trade. So I'm not going to spend a ton bouncing around the league, talking lots of other footy stories, but I want to talk this one quickly because Cogs appears safe. Same with Josh Kelly. Lockie Whitfield, depending on who you believe is safe, but I don't think they're going to be trading him. Tom Green as well is probably going to stay, but most of the rest of their roster seems like it's up for grabs, including, which kind of surprises me, Timmy Taranto, who's shown wow. that he can be pretty versatile and can play as an inside ball, but also go forward and kick three or four goals. Uh, Jacob Hopper, another inside mid. Tanner Bruin, who they only drafted a couple of years ago. Bobby Hill said really he wanted like him. out. Yeah, so do I. Uh, Bobby Hill said he wanted out last off season, And from what I read the other day, Collingwood affirming to get him. So... You're a rival club. Obviously, different blokes are going to come with different asking prices. But of those giants who could be uh, potentially poached, who would you uh, call? I don't even know who their list manager is. Who would
1: you call GWS's list manager and uh, propose a trade? So, who are the Untouchables? Cogs, Whitfield, Kelly, and and Tom Green, Green. apparently. Yeah. Toby?
0: And Toby. I'll throw him in there as well, like co captain out he's going anywhere and and, you know there's probably a couple of others as well like sam taylor but um it seems like yash maybe or yeah some of those characters but it seems like taranto hopper bruin bobby hill and maybe a couple of other fringe dudes nick haynes but he's apparently on a pretty hefty uh salary so not many people want to touch that but yeah who appeals to you as a uh an outsider looking in
1: well taranto makes is the obvious one Mm. um but you know what? Any of the blokes you've mentioned, I, I really like Tanner Bruin. I really, like, I think Hopper, speaking, going back to the basketball yarn we had, one of those blokes who's probably never got a clean run at it. So, if, look, I'd be hesitant if I'm North Melbourne, but if North mm-hmm. Melbourne could get a Hopper and just go, here go, mate, like you're one of the starting three mids, kind of the way George, George, Stuart? yeah, has yeah. done it this year at, the uh the blues Carlton. um culton uh i reckon he could be really intriguing so those three are the ones that really stick out um you know harry himmelberg's pretty young I doubt they'd part with him and then if they part with him they've got fucking no one to kick goals even though he's been a backman um he would be uh, intriguing you, get good old, uh, you
0: could get Jake Riccardi the party starter uh coming out of the cage he was a bloke that last offseason before he Resigned. I was like, yep, some team's gotta try and snap that bloke up. He's gonna be a jet, mm. but didn't happen.
1: Yeah, uh, look, they're all pretty intriguing players. They're all best twenty-two mm. AFL players. So I reckon give those those blokes a go. But Hopper would be really interesting for say a Richmond, who's probably gonna lose a few key midfielders who he almost feels like Trent Cochin, like a light. Yep. You yep. know, he's an inside guy, does the hard stuff, isn't flashy, isn't quick. But he just gets the footy and sort of does the the other stuff. So maybe that would actually be a weirdly good fit, him to Richmond or, or something like that. Someone with a good system that Hopper can just sort of plug a, plug a hole. Yep. I don't hole. know. anyway.
0: <laughs> that is how it goes, though. I think, obviously, like I said, each of those dudes are going to have a different asking price. But if you think that Taranto's like the price to get him's up here, Let's say Hopper's in the middle and Bruin's a bit cheaper. If you're Richmond, out of those three, would you sacrifice a lot and go for Taranto, go for Hopper, or go for a cheaper, potentially younger option that you can develop like Tanner
1: Bruin? Uh, Well, look, you go for Taranto. It doesn't feel like Richmond... I don't think they need the draft. They don't feel like they're in that position. I feel like if if they could add Tim Taranto... That would almost reopen their window in my mind a little bit if if you th- if you're one of the people who thinks it's closed, I don't think it's closed I think sh- I think Shea Bolton Liam Baker just resigned. I think they have enough in them to sort of propel them forward. they've still got Lynch up forward they've still yeah, got okay. a solid back line. I reckon if you could get Taranto, that might reopen the window. He's a bona fide star, but yes. also I think Hopper could could fill the role nicely. I'd be less inclined to go. Bruin, but if you could get him for bugger all, then sure.
0: Uh, Tom Lynch, yet to turn 30. And, you know, you got Jaden Short in that team as well. Yeah, you got me thinking yep. there about Richmond. But, all right, let's uh, pose the same question with Essendon because they probably need another couple of engine room contributors. Do you pay overs for Tim Taranto? Do you go the
1: middle route with Hopper or the young development route with Tanner Bruin? Hopper seems like the the right answer there because they mm. do, they've got McGrath, they've got superstar Merritt, they've got Das Parrish, who's young, who's an absolute, like I will start my fantasy side next year with him in it. I reckon him he's cheap. that sort of, oh, he will be cheap and he's just an accumulator, mate. Like he, mm. he'll he go out and get you 40 touches, no worries. Next to Zach Merritt's 40, you don't need a lot of prime ball winners. They just need a bit of toughness and inside Um Dylan Shields, a bit of a weird, he's sort of inside, sort of outside. But if they could add a hopper, you don't want to be um, developing Tanner. I wouldn't have thought. They've got enough youth, enough development to come within that Essendon side. So I reckon hopper would be a a really good fit for Essendon.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, Last one, same question. Collingwood, Do you reckon that they need the hopper type, Taranto type to kind of tip them over the edge, or are they still got a young enough list profile that getting to Bruin on the cheap is the way to go?
1: Man, it's probably a pretty good time to be a Collingwood Magpie Mm. player or fan because I I reckon they could go any three of those options obviously have slightly different, different implications, but like, like I said, I really rate Tanner Bruin. I really Think if you got him and Dacos in your midfield for the next decade, that's pretty nice um, and yeah, tasty. Obviously, if you add Toronto, that catapults them up to the top of the ladder. They're already in top four contention. I think that only adds a, like another string to their bow. But if they struck out on both and could get a hopper or or someone we're missing from that giant side, I reckon that would also work nicely. They've kind of done it. In the guts, by um, what's the word? You know, the team. They've done it sort of Richmond style rather by than committee having type of style. Committee. Thank you. That's the one I was looking for. You know, Taylor Adams isn't what he used to be. Crisp is, he's not like a really damaging elite midfielder, if you ask nah. me. I don't know who else they're bloody running through there. So, Dacos on a wing. Who's that?
0: Pat Lipinski, maybe getting a couple of cups guffy. Yeah.
1: You know, but Hopper's kind of a, He's getting a. I I guess he's probably, is he the oldest out of those three? Oh, good question. I did just have the list up. I'll get it back. I know that he
0: uh, is 25 and has 111 games of experience under his belt, which Mate, I thought he played He's the in players. the pocket. Yeah, He's in Tim, the pocket. We, he and we Timmy love Taranto. those 25-year-olds. Yeah, you're not wrong. He and Timmy Taranto are virtually the same. They're both born in 90. Oh, no, Hopper's a year
1: Uh, Older. Okay. Well, but he's still not that old. He's fucking twenty five years old. So he would fit profile age profile wise just as almost as well as Braun, you know? Um, I think they're in a good enough position to go either way, especially if you only give up picks, really. Like they're not getting a they're not getting a top four pick for the well. Probably any time. Dacos is probably the last one they'll get for the next decade, the way they're tracking. So I would say any of them, to be
0: honest. I tend to agree. I think the Pies are in a really good spot. And let's be honest, if any of these teams can get Tim Taranto, they get Tim Taranto. Like, he's clearly the best player and the most versatile and a star. But you're right. Hopper could just develop into that bloke who never really got his opportunity because of a star-studded midfield and goes on to have a bit of a revival, like a, a Taylor Adams kind of did, I guess. Uh, Dil Dill Shield, another ex-giant who we've mentioned in this combo. So there's a lot of uh, ex-giants are who, are, yeah, Trelaw, just they just keep on coming. Uh, one bloke. Oh, actually, no, nah, we won't. I won't dive into that one. I want to quickly before we do our Mount Rushmore address uh, a sad topic. It's the two retiring greats oh. from Western Australia. So wow. you ready for a useless sports by Fry stat? Because this is a goodie.
1: Uh, would I have read it on your Instagram already? No, nah, I don't think so. I was going to oh, put well, it here in there. Go. I'll
0: be honest. But Buckle nah. up. Dave Mundy announces his retirement on Monday. He's got the most disposals in games played outside of Victoria in AFL history. Uh, okay. I think he'll be overtaken by Travis Boak maybe by the end of the season. But yep. uh, then Tuesday. Josh Kennedy announces his retirement. Most goals kicked in games played outside of Victoria. Josh Kennedy, 546. So the most goals and the most disposals for games played outside of Australia, outside of Australia, outside of Victoria, retiring back-to-back, sad day. Sad day for WA footy fans. I mean, I am a proud Frio supporter, but I do love JK. The only eagle to have uh, three bags of 10-plus uh Jewel Coleman medal should have had three and a forward, arguably when he was at the peak of his powers, the best forward going around. So, yep. and Monday, you know, Mr. Consistency, I think he polled the highest uh, amount of Brownlow votes last year or the year before. So his seasons haven't really improved or got worse, but he's just been 25 disposals for 19 years. So yeah, sad day, but, uh, good to celebrate two elite footballing careers from a, a West Australian standpoint.
1: Yeah. Sad to see them go, but glad to have had them. Yeah. Is the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. Thanks yeah. guys. Thanks guys. Don't be,
0: thanks guys. Don't be sad. It's over. Be glad it happened. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, these blokes that we talk about in the Mountain Rushmore count though, they, uh, they might be a little butter. They might be a little bit disappointed. Yeah. A little, a little spicy, bit, a little salty that they uh, missed out because tonight you'll have the first pick after uh, another win for Frosty. But we are drafting the best What AFL was last players. week again? I can't even remember. If I had a dollar for every time you asked that, <laughs> I would have about $7 in a row on Wednesday. Uh, it was the NBA highlights fun last week. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was bloody
0: tight. It was tight. I think uh, Twitter got me over the line. Instagram was kind of split. But, yeah, this... Mount Rushmore will consist of AFL players who never won a Charlie, never claimed the Brownlow medal. I did an article way back in 2019. I think it was before Pendles or Joel Selwood um, was going to move into the top spot for the most votes by a bloke who's never won one. Um, And then that kind of triggered the article. Might even update it and throw the uh, link in the
1: description. Fun fact, as I was researching this, the, I was like clicking through articles and then the second one I went on to, I was like, re- I didn't look at any of the website; I just scrolled straight to the to the list and read like the first two sentences. And I was like, I reckon this is Fry's bit of writing. Like I could <laughs> recognize your writing, Where just you the going? way you write and the way So And I was like, hey, it's number two. You're number two on the list of the best players to never win a light in Google search.
0: I'll take it. I'll take it because that's Congrats. not an
1: uncommon Google search. Let's
0: hope. No. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. All right. Uh, I was, uh, it was interesting to build this list because obviously, mm. like I said, when I did that article, a lot of the players I talked about were guys who had the most Brownlow votes, but didn't win one, but there's some other right. guys like you think about the draft we did a couple of weeks ago of the best players to play under 250 games. You could maybe make the case for some of them to be like deserving Brownlow winners. So kick us off. I think personally, I've got a clear one in mind, but there's a, there's a couple of moving parts that will dictate my draft. So the floor is yours, my friend.
1: Oh, damn. I actually wish I didn't have the number one pick because you kind of have to think, Oh, well, who could I like, will he pick this bloke and can I Mm. sneak him under the radar? Oh, but there is some, there's some bloody good players. Let's be. This is a list of elite blokes. I think I'm going to go with a a bloke who a lot of people say is the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. And that could, I know that's not given too much away early in this list. Cause there's probably three blokes on this list who you could make that argument about. But this bloke was uh, just like unstoppable in his prime, played the hardest position on the field. Kicked a lot of goals, got a lot of the footy, and was just you know he was bigger than the game when he did it. So I'm gonna pick with my number one pick, Wayne the King Carey. Oh,
0: okay,
1: yeah, I think just being able to have him on my list and picking one of the guys next who you don't pick, I feel pretty excited about. So I think grabbing Wayne Carey number one, I'm I'm looking forward to see what people think. He will look good on a graphic in his blue and white too. Will.
0: I, uh, I'll be honest, like until a couple of months ago, I never really had a scope of how good duck was as a footballer. Like I knew he was one of the greats, but I never watched much of him. I heard it all, but then I did a bit of a number crunch and like looked through his resume and I was like, Oh, this bloke,
1: like might be one of the greatest to ever do it. So yeah, especially cause he had that weird period where he wasn't playing, where he was still yeah. good.
0: Yeah. Bizarre. Eh? Uh, There was two other blokes who I was kind of thinking you were talking about when you were doing that, and uh, neither of them were the ones you took. So Mm. I'm going to take one of them now who fits a very similar mold to the character you just took, but subtract Mm. maybe a decade. Uh, Another bloke who is probably the greatest to do what he did, Uh, sits in the top handful of goal kickers in AFL history. His son won one. So I'm going to take Gary Ablett Senior with the second pick. And there's, again, you could go a lot of different directions, but when we're talking like the best players to play footy, you can't not mention the name Ablett. In fact, Gary Ablett Junior might be the best. He's probably Mm. our generation's best. Uh, But, yeah, Senior was no scrub either, obviously. So he's going to be my first pick.
1: Wow. This gets hard now. Mm. (sighs) Ah. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the guy who was my number three on my list. So you know, I actually never got to see this bloke play, so that probably tells you I'm about to pick. But he's widely regarded as the greatest to ever do it. Tough as nails, so tough he broke a goalpost. Uh, don't know how many games he played, but he's he's one of the characters who's influenced the game. Post career as well, commentary, coaching. True, it's a good point. I'm picking the the man Lee Matthews. Uh, just especially because you you put the, his stash <laughs> on a graphic, you're picking up some votes, no yeah. matter what. So how old Lee do you Matthews, reckon? Well- uh,
0: how old do you reckon Lee Matthews is? Because I've just had a look. He uh he coached seventy-one. seventy. Oh, well done. He coached 460 games and he played 332. So there's a bloke
1: who had some shit to do with footy. Yeah, he, 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 you can't bring up a greatest of all time list without his name coming up. So True. pretty happy to grab Lethal Lee Matthews. A lot of people surprised he never won a though. So I'll take him. Welcome to the club, Lee. I
0: agree. He should have probably been the third cab off the rank and a good pick there. This is a homer pick. There's plenty of justification in it. He's got the most votes out of any player not to win one. But I'm taking my favorite player, arguably of all time, in Scott Pendlebury, who has probably had the most consistent, you know, we just talked about Dave Mundy. Pendle's was like a little bit better, it's fair to say. And I think he's had probably the most consistent career producing at like an elite level, arguably ever, you know, it's tough to go back in history and name all the dudes that have had elite consistency, but yeah, Pendles is my
1: man. He's still doing it well. It's a good yeah. pick. That's Which a apparently good
0: played pick. straight into
1: your hands. Oh yeah. And this, and this is what, this guy was my number one on the draft board. Oh, but I, yeah. So I've, I've risked it and I've got the biscuit because I'm well going to pick Another one of those guys, you could argue, he's in the GOAT conversation. He's played 300 and a million games. He's kicked over a thousand goals. Ah, I was going to try and take him next. Well played. I'm picking Lancelin, Buddy Franklin. And I feel like if I lose this one, I'll be absolutely spewing. As good as Pendles is and as good as Senior is, I feel like grabbing Buddy with number, with the six. what, no, fifth, fifth. pick. Oh. Oh mate, I'm excited. So welcome to the club, bud. Um, yeah. Two hawks.
0: Can't go wrong. If you're gonna have two hawks to have Lee Matthews and Lance Franklin.
1: Yeah, I yeah, mate. If you pick a picture of him, maybe put him in a surrounded by a sea of uh people as he's celebrating his thousandth goal. That would yeah, be okay. nice.
0: I could do that. Uh I've still got that photo saved on my phone that I one day want to put on a t-shirt. So that could be easily done. Beautiful. Perfect. Uh yeah, look. <clears throat> That's thrown a spanner. A little bit.
1: Go I was with hoping
0: No, nah, not yet. I was hoping I could uh get him later, like I said, with my third pick. I was eyeballing him, but I'm not unhappy that I got pendles. So yep. I do wonder which route to go down now. Cause there's a couple of elder statesmen who probably won't get me the graphic vote, but if I put their mm-hmm. names up in lights. That'd be great. And then there's a couple of modern day or modern, well, oh, yeah, modern day champs that I could throw into this spot.
1: I think I'm going to, or,
0: oh, you know, I'm going to draft a bloke who, again, similar to the lethal bit, I didn't get to watch, uh, but he was a captain in the AFL team of the century, played oh. over 300 games as well. And, you know, I think he passed away before our time even really, but he is just celebrated in footy folklore and his playing career was just oh. as good apparently as his name. So okay, I'm going to take Teddy Whitten. Uh,
1: wow. This late okay. in the piece,
0: who, like I said, going off a couple of other second-handed opinions, but every list I looked at, he just kept bobbing up and a bloke who's the captain and the AFL team
1: of the century has got to have done a couple of good things in his footy career. Well, he was not even on my list. I sort of thought, you know, he was in the, in the, the stratosphere that I was Mm -hmm. occupying, not on my list. So look, I feel a bit forward heavy. I feel a bit forward heavy. But I think I'm gonna pick another forward and I'm gonna be a bastard. That's what I'm gonna be. I'm gonna pick the only man to win an all Austral or be named all Australian all three ends of the ground, all three spots. Including the interchange. Yep. Oh all, right, all four then. Uh, mm-hmm. seven hundred goals on the dot, I think. On the dot. All right. Yep. Three hundred and something games. The greatest docker to ever lace them up. Great. Boundary rider now, yeah, he is, and just one one of the all time noses in the AFL. In <laughs> fact, he, might have, he might have the number one nose in the AFL. Uh, I'm picking Matthew Pavlich from the Dockers, uh, obviously, <laughs> um, and <laughs> South, South Australian Royalty, West Australian Royalty. He would have been up there for most goals, disposals outside of uh, Victoria as well, yeah, so probably in both lists. Tip of the hat to old Joshy Kennedy, but I'm going with the absolute superstar that is Matthew Pavlich. And boy, there's some rippers who I've left on the uh, on the cutting board, cutting room table, floor. Uh, so. somewhere. <laughs> Good pick, great value with your last pick. Uh, but
0: hey, someone's got to finish second in these votes, so you know, it's, it's, I guess it's my turn this week. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got a couple of honourable mentions. You know, you can throw your Kevin Bartlett's and your Jack Dyer's and all those characters in. Uh, it wouldn't yeah, be whatever. a Brownlow conversation if we didn't give Scotty West a shout-out
1: as well. Who? Oh, uh, thank God. I thought you were about to pick him, and I was going to be like, no, can I have your last pick? Anyway, sorry, <laughs> all good. Um, Love you, Scott West, but no. Nah.
0: Yeah, no. Nah. Um, what kind of triggered me thinking about this was thinking about Joel Selwood as well because he's another right. one of the most of the active players but you know it's, nah. it doesn't exactly stack up so from a footballing career this bloke's pro- got a, almost every accolade Uh it's a bit of a left field pick I don't know if you'll see this one coming but oh shit. he may be in a similar class to Cyril as like the most talented footballers ever play his resume might not read that but Okay. With my last pick, I think I'm just going to have a bit of fun and I'm going to take Andrew McLeod. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good one. That's a good one. Yeah, because he uh, won dual Norm Smith medals, uh, two-time premiership player, but never really got a lot of the voting shine from a Mm. Brownlow perspective. Mark Rashido stole him. Yeah, true. But fuck me, he could play. And he was... Before Scott Pendlebury, McLeod was probably my favorite player of all time, which is ironic because you've taken Pavlich from the Dockers, the team I support, and he's probably third
1: to both these
0: other blokes. But, yeah, I'm taking yeah, Andy right. McLeod
1: last. Wow, good pick. He actually wasn't on my list, um, but I do love that. He, he was, in again, in the stratosphere. Well, that's good. That's uh, a couple of other honorable mentions that mm. you didn't didn't get. And this is the bloke I think you should have picked with the last pick. Nicholas McRewalt. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's just sitting there going, That's a fair boys, one. Pa- Pav got picked, but not me. You fucking. <laughs> not joking. even on I my p- list. I would have picked Rewalt over Pav if I didn't think it would. like it, it's Pav would annoy you. I thought you might pick him with your last pick. So <laughs> I probably would have. Um, Nick Rewalt, definitely up there. And the other, the bloke who I wanted, he was actually ninth on my board. I'd written him down and then I was like, Oh, there's nine there. But Peter Matera. I think he's oh, yeah, the other okay. bloke. Yeah, the other guy who was kind of on the on the list who probably didn't get that many accolades in his career at all, other than the normie, but he mm. was just magic. A lot like, like McLeod. Almost McLeod before McLeod in a funny way. Yeah, very similar actually. Good call.
0: Uh, the only other bloke who I had written down was Polly Farmer, who got a bit of love a couple of weeks ago. But again, you want like a bit of a longevity thing. His footballing career, not just uh, narrowed to AFL, or VFL AFL was elite, but yeah, made his mm. hay in a lot of state leagues. So, yeah, good. I'll have to uh, start brainstorming who I'm going to take with the number one pick next week. Then I guess. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, the buddy third with my third is pretty good. So yeah, yeah. That's you stinger. never know. Twitter right. might save you once again. Twitter <laughs> might save you again. The
0: people will decide. Uh, <laughs> good luck to the Kusflakum boys this week. Hopefully, the Hawley uh, zorko combination pays off. Don't hate it. Maybe maybe you want to invest some of that hard-earned cash away from Dane Zorko and Aaron Hall who burn coaches from time to time, but Mm. part of the season's all about having a bit of fun and rolling the dice. So I did not think it heading into round 21 as a combination would be
1: bringing in Dane Zorko, Aaron Hall, and Zach Butters, but, that's the no. world we live in. <laughs> just literally three blokes who've burnt the co- coaches this, like the most this Probably year. Probably, yeah. So.
0: I'll trade you Braden Proust as well and we'll just tie a nice little bow on the whole fucking thing.
1: Yeah. So i am done a real Timberwolves here. Could really work. Could go <laughs> horribly wrong.
0: High risk, high reward. Let's figure it out.
1: All right. Thanks again for sitting down, J-Lo. Another
0: Ripper podcast. We'll do it again next week, mate.
1: Bang, bang.